Oh, let's go. 40 Minutes of Pod, episode 14, hanging out with Jay Davis and Mark Ennis. I'm Louis Rameau. This is my sixth hour of media today, Mark's fifth. And Jay Davis has just been napping the whole day. How are you, Jay? Pretty much. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> What's it like to be a part-timer in media, Jay? <laughs> You're uh, not a media member. <laughs> part-timer part in sports media. I got, I, I, I write, I've been writing restaurants. So, so you're actually busy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into any of that, any of this stuff, <laughs> isn't it just indicative of sports media and where we are that CBS just had 124 million people watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, laid off 800 people on Tuesday? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Unreal. Yeah, I read that and I didn't, I just, I just didn't know what to think about that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting time. I will say, Mark, that's why when people complain about their jobs where we work, I'm like, y'all need to shut the hell up. <laughs> you know, I did, you know, with us, I can remember Diener saying something like that to me, basically like, look, man, I know this sucks and all that sort of thing, but, but we're not going under. Nope, that's right. And there is there is an element of truth to that. A hundred percent at J Davis underscore 1981 on Twitter at Mark Ennis uh, spelled like it sounds with a K uh, on Twitter as well. You can find me at Radio Louie. Uh, thanks for joining us here for the 14th edition uh, of this podcast. Really nothing going on in college basketball. Um, oh, no. you know, all the blue bloods are just dominating. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to really talk about. So we'll see you next week. Goodbye. No, uh, we we should. Hey, we should go ahead and take this opportunity to welcome all of you casuals to college basketball. Now the football's over. Join us. The water's warm. Come on. In. The numbers are coming up, and uh, March Madness is very, very soon, believe it or not. So uh, we are running out of games here uh, in a sport that doesn't have a ton of them, but uh, we are running out of them. Uh, and look, I, I remember very beginning of the season being terrified that my Spartans lost at home to James Madison. And now that's all teams do. They just lose. And so uh, we got Kansas last night getting blown out uh, by Texas Tech. I Honestly, I was trying to remember the last time I remember Kansas even losing on Big Monday. Can't think of a time. Um, and by the way, because they're, us- they're usually usually at home. <laughs> well, yeah, they're usually at home. Is true. But uh, I-, I was thinking about that. The the big Monday was it not a bigger thing before? And for some reason this year, way downplayed. Is it because ESPN has Monday Night Football? It's it's because it's because they don't they don't do Big Ten games. Oh, um, right. no, no, no Big Ten, no Big East. They save all the Pac-12 games for like Thursday night and you know Friday night. It's it's, yeah. it's you know it's the, it's the it's the network wars that you know makes Big Monday and Super Tuesday a lot less special than it used to be. Yeah, oh, it's hard. To, it's good. hard to do Big Monday without any Big East uh, or Big Ten teams. It just is. Yeah, no, makes sense. Uh, should just start a Big Twelve basketball network. I might actually pay for that. <laughs> it's just a bunch of really fun games. Uh, but let's get into Kentucky. It's obviously the talking point around here. Jay uh, losing three straight for the first time ever at Rupp Arena, first time in like sixty years. And we're talking about a program, uh, Jay, that um, for better or for worse, I'll give their fans credit. They still have legitimate expectations and you know hopes that their team is going to do something later on. Um, in general, do you make much of Kentucky losing three straight at home, or is this? Um, ah. I mean, absolutely. You know, most of the losses make, that the, there we go. There's Jay. Oh, I can't. No, I was going to say most okay. of the losses that we're seeing, you know, happen like Kansas last night. They're, they're not happening at home. You know, it's it's teams on the road, but you know, Kentucky losing three straight at home. 
and the way that they lose them where, you know, opposition just coming in there, getting pretty much whatever they want all over the court on offense. It's, it's really bad. And, you know, considering all that, you know, the athletes that Kentucky has, their defense should be a lot better. They can't guard anybody. You know, uh, Mark said it before, they don't close out on jump shooters. And, you know, the Gonzaga game was, you know, more alarming than the others because this isn't like some vintage Gonzaga. This isn't, you know, 2021 with Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren, you know, Nimhard, but they got whatever they wanted on Saturday. Credit to Mark Few, you know, just that's just says, you know, how good he is. But a lot of that is, you know, just Kentucky being as bad on defense as they, as they are good on offense. Hey, I'll, I'll jump in a couple of things. The fact that this is the first time they've lost three games at home in Rupp Arena is a gigantic indictment of the SEC because we're talking about NIT teams, a team that went like 11 and 14 and was banned from being on TV and it's like probation teams and stuff like that. And they've never, never, uh, that's, it says as much about the rest of that league only now being good enough to do this to them. Uh, but it is, it is now. Uh, but this one was Gonzaga. Uh, what struck me about it was the deliberateness about it. It was very obvious to every observing living soul in Rupp Arena or watching it on TV that Gonzaga was just bouncing it around the outside till they could get the post player that they wanted on the defender that they wanted, and that dude scored all the time. And Cal is feckless and hopeless on, on doing something about it in terms of strategy because the man doesn't believe in it. He doesn't believe in uh, making up the differences in these little strategic margins. He's all about just sort of a psychological player motivation and simplicity. And guess what? When the other team tries as hard as you do, the team that does the smarter stuff beats you. And, and that's what's happening. And and beyond that, I'm struck by how much teams just aren't afraid to go play there anymore. It, it has never been like this under Cal. But teams go into Rupp and they don't they, they don't show up wide eyed at the crowd. They don't show wide uh, wide eyed at the the arena, and they don't show up wide eyed at the guys warming up on the other end of the floor anymore either. And it really just never used to be that way. And if I'm Cal, that's the thing that's keeping me up at night. Why aren't people afraid of us anymore? To to be fair um, to them, I think that's that's the case with us. No, I was just gonna say, to be fair to them, you know the the home court advantage thing, you know, with you know NIL and the portal and teams being more you know, older and seasoned and, and frankly, coaches being a lot better than they were in the past. You know, Fog Allen's really like the only, you know, place you kind of expect to, you know, lose when you walk into it. You know, Breslin Center's not like that. I, I guess, you know, last couple of years, Mackey's kind of kind of turned into that. You know, Breslin's not like that anymore. Um, you know, Kerry Dome's not like that. You know, Pauly Pavilion's not like that. You know, there's, there's very, very few places like that now just to you know, I know, you know, Kentucky's struggling, but just to be fair to them, you know, the home court advantage thing just isn't, you know, kind of kind of just stuck on them. All right. So real question. Uh, let's just do the ugly thing. Uh, if we swap coaches on Saturday, does Kentucky win that game, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Jay, yeah. follow up 100%. question. Uh, if Cal, let's pretend that the, the contract is different. He doesn't have like 17 more years at $385 million. Let's pretend he doesn't have that. He gets fired at the end of this season. What job does John Calipari get next year? He gets a high-level job. You know, for one, one, he's still a, a damn good recruiter. You know, that that still matters. 
Um, I still think, even though they're struggling on defense this year, he's an underrated X's and O's guy. So, you know, he'd still get a high-level job. I'd be, you know, <laughs> you know, you. it's interesting you mentioned, you know, swapping coaches, you know, just like off on a tangent. How many uh, – how many how many times would would their athletic director or president uh, call Dan Hurley to make him say no before before they left him alone? Uh, I imagine Mitch Barnhart wouldn't call him at all because he wouldn't feel like he could control Hurley like he does his football coach. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, the I, I just I, I disagree with you. Jay. I don't think you'd get a high level job. I, I think we're at that really? point. I think it's, I think they're worse than Tubby Smith. I think he's got a very distinct personality that I think a lot of places wouldn't want to deal with. I think his age is getting to a spot where that would be a factor as well. And I just – Mark, how old are your parents? Uh, well, my mom is 73. Perfect. Okay, so my parents are 68. Jay, how old's your mom? 63. Okay, great. So Cal's in his 60s. Jay, is your mom as sharp now as she was 15 years ago? No, no, my parents aren't sharp as they were 15 years ago either. Mark, how about your parents? Probably not. So uh, I no. don't know why we think that this isn't part of this, by the way. We just assume these guys can go forever and they're going to be great forever, it, even if they get older. And the normal way of things is that you just slow down. Of course, of course, your metabolism slows down, your brain slows down, your, your ability to cognitively you know, go after these things. I'm not as sharp as I was 15 years ago. Let's be very clear. I don't want to pick on anybody's parents or my parents for that matter. Um, but, you know, it just, I, I do wonder because look, Mark, you cover a program here uh, in, in this County at UofL. I think the second best basketball coach in the history of the state is a man named Denny Crump. I really do. I think he's just one of the absolute best. Even that guy had to decline. Why would we not think that that's happening with Cal right now? Well, he's young for the decline. You know, I think we're, like we could we could recognize Coach K's and Bayheim's declines. They were much older. They were, they were older than this, several years older than this. I think what's really uh, jarring about Cal is he does. It's it's not that like his basketball acumen necessarily has declined, but that he seems too stubborn to recognize it. Like like the ultimate almost kind of parody example of this is is Joe Paterno at the end of his career. You know. But he 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 began to offload more and more and more onto others and was kind of a figurehead. And I don't think Cal knows how to operate like that at all. I think he only really wants to be a figurehead when it's good. Uh, but in terms of like handing off responsibilities to others, that's just I just that's not in his DNA like that. Uh, and so I, that's the part that I think is is interesting about him. There are coaches who don't have an ego and can do that. And it's like as long as the job gets done. It, it, I'm cool with it. He is not that guy. Uh, and I think the other part about it is like the decline is not, so, I don't really see him as a guy that looks slower or not quite as sharp. I think his okay. message just gets old. Hmm. You know, he, he doesn't have a second act. He doesn't have a, a plan B. He's just the same damn dude and it either works or it doesn't. And I don't, I don't think he necessarily knows what to do. It feels like he's the same and everything else changed. Like, I feel like, College basketball is not what it was when he started. And he's the last I, one to adjust to it. I kind of agree with that. I was just going to ask Jay, is is Cal just himself and the NIL era is just a different brand of dude and what he's doing that worked 10 years ago just isn't working now? Yeah, you know, the playing field's more even now. You know, you got – you know, th this goes back to – I mean, it's a, obviously a different sport, but, you know, NFL, NFL, you know, I think there became – 
you know, everybody still wants to go to LSU, you know, Alabama, USC, but the coaches and the scouts, still find you at Eastern Illinois or Grand Valley State, you know, up here, they'll find you anywhere. And, you know, with NIL and the transfer portal, you know, you just, the, the playing field's more even, you know, his, his pitch isn't, you know, where, I mean, he got Rob Dillingham and I think Rob Dillingham was supposed to go to like Carolina, but, mm-hmm. you know, his pitches aren't as strong as they were, you know, in 2010, 2011. That's really all it, you know, really all it comes down to. I, can we, I just, here, if you can let me give you a, a global theory and you guys can pick it apart and that's fine. Steph Curry killed John Calipari. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, the not the invention of the three point shot, but the realization analytically, it's way better than almost everything else we do, and everything almost everyone does. The three point shot moved way up, like the hierarchy of the right choice to make, and people just started to make more of them, and more people on the floor started to be able to make more of them. Right as he was like, I figured out the perfect way to handle these up and down teams that attack the basket and have these two big guys on the floor at the same time. And neither one's going to shoot really at all, uh, much less shoot threes. Uh, and, and then all of basketball changed and like his whole strategy, especially on defense, they just shoot over it now. Yeah, just step back is exactly right. The other part of this, too, and I asked this question um, today is with this team, they were better before the seven-footers got healthy (laughs) or eligible. They were better without Aaron Bradshaw. They were better without Zvonimir Vizic. They just were. And that is a legitimately serious question he's going to have to ask himself is, are these guys worth playing with what I've got otherwise on this team? Can you go to an Aaron Bradshaw and say, dude, you're going to play nine, ten minutes, but I promise you you're still going to get drafted. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. I I simply don't know. But it's their their best lineups are – ones that have Trey Mitchell in them and he's like six, eight. I mean, that, that is just true. He might, I think he's listed at six, nine, but like, whatever, um, you know, their best lineups are not when there are seven footers. Sorry, go ahead. Mark. No, it's fine. Early in Cal's career, there was a, a, a backcourt front court dynamic where the John walls and Brandon Knights and, and the Harrison twins and Ulysses and all those guys, uh, they were dogs defensively because yep. they knew Terrence Jones and Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and all of these real uh, Willie Pauly, all these really good, aggressive defensive centers were behind them. And that was like, I'm free to be as aggressive as I want to be because it won't matter if you get by me anyway. And instead, with this group, this team in particular, this should bother the hell out of them. These guys are not less athletic than any of the guys I just named with Dillingham totally and DJ Wagner yep. and these guys. And their yep. takeaway from having the big guys behind them, Louis, to, to your point, is I can relax. The big guys back there. I, I, you know, I think that's they're right. Terrible defensively. They're terrible defensively because of it. And I, I'm the the bigs. It's a problem. But if I'm Cal, what's keeping me up at night? Why can't DJ Wagner and Dillingham and these guys in the backcourt take this shit seriously? Because they're not. Right. They're not. You're right about that. And I just, you know, we there's a lot of praise around here for Reed Shepard and his steals, but they're they're not. They're not in rhythm steals. He's just catching guys making mistakes, which is good. I mean, it's fine. Steals a steal, right? I mean, that's that's they're not the pressure steals. But they're yeah. not pressure steals. That's exactly right. It's yeah. not in the flow of the game that way. And so it's interesting that uh that way, but I, they were better with a small lineup. But Cal's just like you said, Mark, he's stuck. He's not comfortable with that. So it'll be interesting 
They got Ole Miss tonight, Mark. Um, will Louisville fax <laughs> a contract to Chris Beard if he wins at Rub Arena? Uh, Mark Blankenbaker will. I don't know. If will. <laughs> right. uh, I'd say, I, here, Louis, you'll appreciate this is a little inside baseball, but I, I said on the show today, if Ole Miss wins at Rupp tonight, the Diener show will start at 7 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> I should have warned you. I'm sorry for that. Damn it. That's a good joke. Uh, I get a text at least a couple times a week thanking me for actually starting my show. Me too. Me too. That's what we're it is what it is. Oh, man. Jay Davis, Mark Ennis. I'm Louie Rameau. This is 40 Minutes of Pod. Uh, shout out to our guy, Nolan Richardson. Uh, speaking of which, uh, it is time for our weekly Nolan Richardson. A fun fact. Uh, Jay Davis, do you happen to know where Nolan Richardson was born? I do not. How about that? He's from uh, El Paso, Texas, uh, where he also hmm. played uh, his college ball. So how about that? Uh, he did play at Texas Western. Um, and, uh, of course... Uh, that team uh, famously coached by Don Haskins, and so he was part of the early 60s teams uh, at Texas mm -hmm. Western. I don't think I need to tell anyone listening to this show uh, during Black History Month <laughs> the importance of Texas Western in our sport. And so, um, uh, cool. I did not know that until today. Uh, he did not qualify for college coming out of high school, so he actually went to East Arizona Junior College uh, to get his grades together and then ended up at Texas Western. So there you go. Um, how about that? There you go. I knew, he, your, played, uh, I knew he played there. I didn't know that yeah. he uh, was from. Was also from El Paso. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he essentially just played for the uh, the hometown team. It's interesting, you know, uh, uh, Jay and I screwed up. We didn't do it last week, but the week before, uh, we talked a little Black History Month. We'll have to get back into that this week uh, on the show. But, um, but that Texas Western team, the Nolan Richardson thing, you know, just in general, just a, a, a fascinating uh, sort of piece of history. And Someone today at the office was talking about Issel, you know, and you know I was really lucky he got to do a show with him for about a year and a half, and um, he, he literally just said, "All he's like, I never thought about it, but Dan never played with a with a black teammate in college." I'm like, "Yeah, no, that one, nope." And I and I, whenever I hear those stories, I think of Goose uh, Givens. I think of of uh, Goose Givens, who does the uh, the analyst uh, on uh, the um, the color analyst uh, uh, radio gig uh, down at UK now for our friend Mike Pratt, who's passed away, and. Um, he uh, he told the story of being essentially halfway through his junior year of high school when they decided to integrate the basketball team at UK. They were literally like six months from missing out on Goose, who was probably the greatest title game performance in the history of the, <laughs> the game. And yeah. so they, they kind of needed him at 78 uh, to pull that one all together. All right. Well, hey, you know, uh, hey, very uh, quick. Hey, real quick, can we just balance the back of one one other little thing um, with Cal? and UK fans, and Ego, and all that. You know, a couple sure. of years ago, he uh, seemed to really bristle at how much people were like, why can't you be more like Nate Oates? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. uh, because they, they played a modern offense and all that, right? And they just beat the hell out of Kentucky a couple times. He, you're going to get the same thing about Chris Beard if they lose tonight. Oh, if he loses to Chris Beard, they're going to – I made the joke uh, today. They might not let Chris Beard the leave. The Lions were close to making the Super Bowl. I checked on some friends to make sure their properties in Detroit were insured. Um, if you own something in Lexington, I, I would lock the doors tonight if they lose. It's not It's not going to be good down there if they yep. lose that game to Ole Miss. Uh, speaking of which, do we have a prediction? Uh, we are terrible. Whatever teams we talk about on the show immediately lose – uh, so which of those two teams is going to lose tonight, Jay? Huh. You know, they Kentucky's got to get something right. They got to play with some pride. Um, you know, Ole Miss is at 
Oh, Miss is actually this would actually be a really, really bad. I know they're both the ranked teams on, you know, they lost to Auburn at home. They lost to South Carolina on the road, but Ole Miss has lost two in a row. You know, they're kind of on a bit of a slide, just like Kentucky. So, you know, if 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 Kentucky drops this one, you know, it's like DEFCON four. But so I'm I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt tonight. You know, they're both on the slide, but you know, Kentucky still has more talent. And you know that should push him over the top tonight. I don't. I don't know if that's going to work for him Saturday at Auburn, but tonight against Ole Miss, I still think. I still think Kentucky's. You know, just got too many talented guys. They got to be able to put something together. Um. Yeah. What do you? Say? I think. Yeah. My, I, Ole Miss, eighteen and five. They're sixtieth on Ken Palm. Right. You know, they feed. They, they played basically Louisville's non-conference and didn't lose. They didn't, you know, Alabama yeah. State, Eastern Washington, Detroit Mercy, right. Sam Houston, right. Temple, Mount St. Mary's, Cal, Southern Miss, Troy, Bryant. That's that's yeah. who they've beaten. I mean, their their best wins this year. They did beat Florida and they beat them good uh earlier in uh in January. And then right before this two-game losing streak, they beat AM, they beat Mississippi State. Those are pretty good wins, uh, but nothing great. Uh and can I I part of me just I can't believe that Kentucky's going to lose four in a row here and, and, and lose this one too. Surely they'll be ready uh, for this they one. But if, every, if everything we said about Cal and the stubbornness and all that uh, just a little bit earlier is true, then they won't. Yeah, Ole Miss went undefeated in the non-conference and they're, you know, obviously 500 in the league, so the SEC play hasn't been, you know, kind to them at all. And they've been crushed a couple I, times but, too. Yeah, but credit, I mean, Chris Beard, whatever, we can say whatever we want. Like, that's the job with a school like Ole Miss is win those crap games. Mm-hmm. So then when you get to the conference, if you can go 500, you got a shot at the tournament at least. And yep. um, yeah, it is. So he, he at least did that part uh, of the job. Wisconsin's lost four in a row. Jay, this has to be bad uh, for your marriage. But um, what, uh, <laughs> how, how, how are we taking that in? Because to me, how Wisconsin is playing is way worse than how UK is playing. Yeah, their offense. But- Prior to this slide, they were having one of their best offensive seasons in a while, and now they can't score anymore. They got three straight games, you know, uh, under 70 points. And I think before this current run, they had only scored under 70 twice. Um, You know, their guards are mostly bad from the field. Chucky Hepburn is, you know, like an upperclassman leader. He's shooting like 37% from the field. A.J. Storr, transfer from Rutgers, he's their leading scorer. He's very athletic, but he's shooting like 43%. Um, and he's taken a lot more shots than everybody else. Uh, they have another guard, Connor Asijan. He's a sophomore. He played like 30 minutes a game, was at like 12 points. Now he can't get off the bench. I think he's under 10 minutes a game. So their their offense just fell off a cliff. You know, they're still guarding, you know, pretty decently like Wisconsin usually does, but, you know, they, they just can't score anymore. It, Mark, I have you got to watch Wisconsin? Yeah, they're a weird defensive team, though, and that overall their numbers are good like as a defense, but it's almost entirely because they don't give up offensive rebounds. So they're super efficient. Mm-hmm. But if you look at them, they're one of the worst teams in the country. At They don't block shots at all. And teams shoot really well from three against them. They're down in the 300s in three-point percentage defense and in block shot percentage. Like they don't block shots and they give up good threes a lot. They're just a really good rebounding team, which can really, you know, it's almost like a forgotten element of being a great defensive team. So they're extremely good at that. They do not give up second chance rebounds uh, at all. Uh, so you can be a great defense if you can just sort of focus on that stuff. But teams that stay under control, they make their threes against them. 
they attack the basket. They don't get their shots redirected or blocked or anything, and it shows. Uh, how many teams out of Big Ten, Jay, make the Sweet 16? <laughs> you know what? I've been looking at brackets that come out, and I always – I've honestly, there's like one or two where I'm like, all right, Illinois can win two games, but then I remember they haven't won two games since 2005. And it ends up just being it ends up just being Purdue. And that's been the case, you know, for the last handful of years where you get eight, nine teams in. You know, Illinois was a one seed a few years ago, lost in the second round. Obviously, Purdue last year. Um, you know, it's 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 just bad. You know, we don't have we have good college players, but once the tournament starts, you know, even with older teams winning championships now, the teams that are making deep runs have pros on them. And you know, this is this has got to be the year that Zach Eady carries Purdue, or otherwise it's going to be you know twenty four straight years the Big Ten doesn't have you know a national champion. Ah, yes, the Big Ten basketball, the Wood Memorial of Kentucky Derby preps. How about that? Um, that's a joke for one person <laughs> listening. All right, um, it's a good joke, I promise. Uh, all right, so uh, it's a Fusaichi Pegasus reference. If, if anybody cares, no one does. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we do have a good game coming up on Saturday, uh, at least on paper. UConn and Marquette. Uh, I know that all of us in this in this chat right now are are. Always impressed every time we watch UConn. Uh, they play Marquette. I adore how Shocket Smart's teams play. It just – I hate to do this, Mark, but watching this game on Saturday just reminds me how far Louisville is from being one of these teams because they are just so well coached. They know what they're trying to do. They know the game plan. There's an obvious scouting element to what they do. But this sets up to be a really, really fun freaking game. And uh, Hurley came out and kind of tried to defend the Big East a little bit. Uh, in recent days, I don't know that I think of the Big East as being "quote unquote" down this year, but I, I think part of it is just that Patino's team isn't as good as people were hoping it was going to be, so they kind of blanket the the conference with that. Uh, what are you expecting in this game, Mark? I guess, but also just, I mean, if you wanted to comment on UConn or Mark, uh, have at it. No, I agree with you. UConn seems to almost be pulling away from from everybody, not just the Big East. Uh, but Marquette should be a great, great challenge for the entire Colic is awesome. Like that, that is, he is incredibly fun to watch, uh, and, and that's I think as they as UConn has started to sort of round into you know fully functional Death Star kind of thing again, uh, what they're doing right now, uh, this it, what it's going to take is one person like Colic or somebody going off. You know when it, when it comes tournament time. They're going to play somebody good who gets just enough from everybody else, but their star gets 27 and, and 10 or something. Like it, That's what it's going to take. Now, I don't know if Marquette is that team, but if you ask me right now, like UConn or the field, I, I would be very tempted to take UConn. Marquette, uh, are we sleeping completely on them, Jay Davis? This is a team that has won seven straight. They had the ugly hiccup. Uh, with was that Seton Hall and uh, yeah Seton Hall and, and Butler, Butler. Yeah. yeah a couple of ugly games they immediately bounce back uh, you know Shaka's got him going the right way seven straight wins are we sleeping on Marquette Jay? I mean it's it's hard to say we're sleeping on them you know they're ranked in they're ranked fourth in the country you know we Fair know enough. their guys you know that you know Tyler Cole Camp Jones you know Osu Igdaro is is their big guy who's going to be matched up you know against UConn's bigs they're they're really good they've been really good all year you know going back to Maui um you know this game would be interesting because you know there was a stretch there where 
you know, Tyler Kolick was kind of off his game a little bit. He had he, they were they were winning some games, but he was having some bad games. And now, you know, I think over the last stretch, he's averaging like 25, 10 assists, five rebounds. His shooting splits are really, really good. You know, Cam Jones, you know, his, you know, is his his running mate. He's playing really well. So, you know, I don't I don't think we're sleeping on him. I'm just interested to see. There's a lot of matchups that I want to watch in this game on Saturday, you know, particularly with the backcourt, you know, Cam Smith yep. transfer Newton to UConn with you know, Kolick and Jones, and I want to see. I know Donovan Klingon hasn't been, you know, awesome since he came back from his injury, but he's still a presence out there. And I think, uh, you know, Marquette has a guy in Igadaro who's like 6'11", 240, who could kind of neutralize UConn's bigs too. So, yeah, this is this is going to – I think this is going to be a really great game. You know, there's going to be some guys hitting tough shots. And, you know, I'm, I I know they play – you know, I think, I think they both play like they play again the last game of the regular season, but – you know, this is this is one of those games where, you know, you look at it, you circle it and, you know, you look at both of these teams thinking they they could be there at the end of the season. You know, uh, the good, good thing about this game, if you like college basketball, is that this is it. Guards matter in college basketball. This is the matchup you would want to watch uh, for sure. Mark, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's, I was just going to say, I, I think, Louie. The only reason that we really that you were saying like it feels like hey are we sleeping on Marquette is because there's another team that's better than them in the Big East like that, that right, maybe they would be the team we would think of when we go like hop in our minds like who's good in each league like they would be first and because they're not we're like are we underrating these guys but like like Jay said like they're top ten they're they're excellent it's right. just they're not the best because UConn is that good uh, yeah that Colex Spencer matchup will be really great by the way both teams point guards are averaging better than two and a half assists per turnover uh so far this season just excellent play out of the cards for both of these teams hey I wanted to ask both of you guys what sure. do you make of of Kansas getting the ever-loving shit beat out of them by Texas Tech uh you know McCullers was out last night you know I don't think that should make it you know that big of a difference for them to look like you know almost almost 30 but yeah you know it's i think that's i think that's the second time that's happened to them where they win a big game on a saturday and they lose the following game but you know they're a they're a totally different team i mean you say this about you know a lot of teams in the in the country but you know for kansas to be as good as they are as you know highly regarded as they are they're a totally different team away from away from fog they're like two and six away from home, you know, true road games. Um, you know, I've never known Kansas to have five losses, you know, in the Big 12. I think they're like fifth or sixth right. in the league right now. It's it's just, you know, Dickinson was, you know, kind of a player of the year candidate. I know he's not their best player. Again, like I said, they were out. McCullers is like nursing some, you know, nagging knee injury, and he didn't play last night. But I don't think they should have lost by 30 last night. I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't know what happened there. That was a really, really bad fit. Well, I mean, you know, Texas Tech had one guy, you know, Darren, I can't remember his last name, you know, Foster, I think it is. He went off for, he didn't miss a shot last night, 12 for 12, 4 for 4 from 3, and he's averaging like eight points a game on the season. So, you know, you, it was one of those games where <clears throat> nothing's falling for Kansas and everything's falling for just one guy who you don't expect it to for Texas Tech. Uh, Jayhawks are uh, two and five away uh, from Fog this year, 19 and six overall. So they are 17 and one in non-true road games uh, this season. Yes, me too, Mark. I, I don't make much of it at all because I I keep waiting for these games to not happen and they keep happening, even to the very good teams. And so I think it's just one of those years where we're going to see a lot of upsets in the, in the regular season. I'm not going to automatically extend that to the tournament. I think that um, 
I think by the time we get to the end of the tournament, we're going to have a final four where we go. Okay. That one makes sense. I think that's what we're going to end up with. So yeah, sometimes right. like uh, just getting your, just getting the hell kicked out of you, like, like blow, you yeah. blow out the lines. Like it sort of clears your head. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it happens. There, you, there are plenty of national champions who got the shit kicked out of once. Yep. I agree with that. Yep. Um, Caitlin Clark's on the show sheet, uh, which means that Jay Davis made the show sheet. <laughs> um, <laughs> why not? Uh, you're asking if she's underrated. Um, I think she's a flopper, but I guess you want to talk about how she's underrated. Louis is a yeah, hero. you know, I just, I, I mean, I agree with the flopping part. And, but, you know, the, the thing about it is, is when you watch them play, I mean, Nebraska's not great. You know, they went on that run. She was really bad in the fourth quarter. Her, her shots were short. You know, she wasn't, you know, doing much in terms of, you know, getting her other teammates, you know, easy looks like she usually does. But, you know, at the first name I thought of watching that fourth quarter on Sunday was James Harden because, you know, Rockets James Harden because he was tasked with doing so much for that team, you know, that when they played somebody just as talented or as better better than they was, it always it always showed. And, you know, she has these big scoring nights. You know, she leads the country in assists and scoring and assists. But when they play a team that's decent or better than they are, you know, they they just don't win. And that's why I think she's underrated, you know, because she's she's just charged with doing so much. You know, everything they show, you know, on TV is, you know, her hitting, you know, logo threes and things like that. But, you know, one of her teammates had 47. I think it was last week. They're starting center. She's passing the ball. I mean, yeah. 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 You know, and that's why, you know, I just think just certain aspects of her game are under are underrated by people who you know i mean you know kayla clark you know she's bringing a lot of quote unquote casual fans you know you know to women's college basketball right now just the same way i think you know once she's gone juju watkins at usc is going to do the same thing but you know a lot of people watch her for her scoring and you know it's it's and i know her scoring is important i just feel like every time she has a huge scoring game they need it you know, I mean, there's a couple of times where they win by like 30 and she has 40, but most of the time when she has a huge game, they need it. So, you know, just looking at that roster, you know, they have obviously good college players, but, you know, I, I just think that, you know, she's she does much more for that team than a lot of people realize. Well, there you go. A little Caitlin Clark talk. 40 minutes a pod. Um, I'm kidding, of course, about the flopping thing. I just wish she wouldn't have done it because it is. Not a necessary thing. Uh, do you hate her coach, Mark Ennis? She sounds a lot like Kim Mulkey. Hey, we need to go catch it. <laughs> Mark is muted so that I don't have to hear this part. Mark, you are muted. How do I unmute Mark Ennis here? Can I do that? Unmute. Can't unmute the mic. Your guest has chosen to mute themselves. All right, hey. there we go. Hey, how about that? All there right. we go. Sorry about I don't know what the hell. Well, well mute on Mark. How about that? Weird. No, I don't hate her uh, coach because I know where she was on January 6th. No, she's cool. <laughs> where was she, Mark? She wasn't with Kim Mulkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I would have lost a bet today, folks. We do want to get to Jay's list now. Of course, he's presented by our friends at Lana Sports, L-A-N-A Sports.com. Uh, Use that code ABA20. Go get yourself a red, white, and blue basketball, all that great ABA gear. Uh, family business up in Indianapolis, uh, just the very best. They present everything that Jay does. Uh, if you also hear my voice, uh, Lana Sports, L-A-N-A Sports, uh, com. I thought we were going to get Super Bowl halftimes from you, top five. Uh, we were texting on Sunday. I caught Mark Ennis off, this, off uh, guard this morning because you and I had the conversation about 
what was the blackest halftime show of all time? And of course, Super Bowl always falls during Black History Month. So, you know, maybe we should be doing that more often. But I enjoyed Sunday. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as other people. I thought it was good. Um, solid BB plus kind of stuff. I thought uh, the uh, people that he brought out were very appropriate and good. Um, I thought, uh, man, help me out. What are the kids? Is it H-E-R or do they just call her her? Her. They just call her her. Just call her her. I thought she was awesome. Like that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. Like I love, I love when it's different generations and doing that kind of stuff. So I really appreciated it. You immediately went to Beyonce and there was a good times reference uh, on my phone. Um, (laughs) That's black. Uh, What? um, (laughs) Did you enjoy? You know, it was. Yeah, Usher. I mean, Usher was great. You know, Usher's riding my wheelhouse. You know, my way came out when I was like 15. You know, I know he's a couple years older than us, but. Yeah, you know, it was it was great. You know, he played all of like his best songs. It was, you know, just really nostalgic. My my girls were dancing, you know, because you know when they, when they're not having me play like you know random stuff from the YouTube shows they watch, I you know I played them some Usher or some Motown, Michael Jackson, whatever. And you know to see them dancing around to it was fun. You know, I thought it was good, but you know I still put you know I know I know Beyonce wasn't headlining in that. I think it was 2016. I think that was. Uh, was that uh was that the uh Panthers and the and the Broncos, I think. But uh yeah, Beyonce, um, you know, for the part that she had with I think it was Coldplay. Um obviously Michael Jackson ninety-three, you know, is number one. Prince in the rain in two thousand seven is number two. Yep. Um yep. yeah, you know, uh just from another another from a nostalgic standpoint for me it was a couple years ago when it was, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop and yep. everybody. So that was awesome. Yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, there's you know, it's it's interesting, you know, with you know, it used to be you two like twenty years ago, and they're like, Why are you doing this? Why are you having all these extra all these old people? And now we're the old people. So this right. <laughs> Yeah, nothing changed. We just moved into the demographic window. That's exactly, That's exactly right. And, yeah. and, and sister and and sister in New Orleans next year, I better hear back that ass up at halftime. I agree with Jay Davis. Good night, everybody. No, I uh, no, I'm with you. Um uh, letter grade. Does nobody, does, does, hey, wait. Does, does nobody want my list of the blackest halftime shows? Is that? Yeah, go, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Mark. No, ahead, I'm just. <laughs> I immediately. No, I'm standing there with my neighbor, and I just look at him. I go, "It's got to be one of the blackest halftime shows ever." And he goes, "Oh, for sure." But it ain't Beyonce. That's what he said immediately. Goes, "It ain't Beyonce." That's what he said it right away. I'm like. Hang on, I got a text, Jay. <laughs> well, be you know, Beyonce, you know, based on the time, you know, what was going on, you know, obviously some, you know, stuff is still going on now with, you know, shootings and things like that. And, you know, just, you know, just that, you know, when that, I think that was right before the Lemonade album came out and, you know, just her coming out and, you know, all black, you know, she was kind of on a mission. So. <laughs> I will never forget. I will never forget. I can't forget or forgive. The fact that uh, when I was in sixth grade, we had the Super Bowl in Tampa. Giants, Bills, it was awesome. And the halftime show was New Kids on the Block. (laughs) Still mad about it. Somewhere my wife is freaking out. My my wife as a nine-year-old is freaking out. <laughs> She's putting her uh, NKOTB pajamas on. There you go. All right, let's. And get all to everyone's wives freaked out for uh, for Usher too. Don't worry. Yeah, LA. I hate that guy. LANDSports.com. Uh, guy was roller skating and dancing better than me. That's embarrassing for me. 
that's, that's what happened on Sunday. All right, Jay, uh, your top five list this week is who you think the top five NBA prospects in college hoops are. Just because every mock draft I see right now is just 15 guys from France. Yeah, that's why, you know, I, I wanted to narrow it down to college players, you know, because I know there's, you know, the, the international, there's a lot of talk now that, you know, international players have developed better than players over here. And, you know, I just, you know, just watching, um, you know, everything that I try to watch, you know, most nights every week, I just, you know, there's still a lot of good players, even though some of the guys at the top of the draft are pretty raw. But there's still some guys, you know, who have a chance to who have chances to be, you know, stars. Yeah, but a lot of the mocks I see, you know, like the top two or three international guys, they're all from France. So everybody's on the on the Wimby wave, that I, I guess. But yeah, so you know, just watch it from guys I've seen so far. We talked about him a little bit before. Rob Dillingham, you know, I know he's he's a six three freshman. You know, he's 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 rangy, I guess you'd say. I guess to, and to keep him calling him skinny, but he's still got good size for a point guard. He's very fast. You know, he's not John Wall or Derrick Rose fast, but he's fast. And he's got the potential to be a great one-on-one offensive player. Um, another guy out of the SEC, Dalton Connect from from, from Tennessee, 6'6 guard. You know, he's got good size to play some two and some three. Uh, you know, you've seen him. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. He's got it. He's a, he can score, you know, from all over, the, all over the place. He's got to improve on his free throw shooting, though, you know, to play guard in the league. He's at like 75%. Um, Jacoby Walter, you know, freshman, uh, six, five wing from Baylor, you know, he's pretty raw, but he's a, he's a super athlete. Um, you know, his shooting's a little spotty, but you know, he's, he's active on defense at least. Um, another guy in a similar vein is Cody Williams from a six, eight wing from Colorado. You know, he's the reason why Colorado is even mm-hmm. in, you know, in the, in the race to even get a tournament spot. He's another guy, you know, who's, who's who's long and lean and, you know, athletic and rangy, you know, who can do a lot of different things all over the floor. Um, you know, I was just thinking about guys as I watched, it was, it was tough, you know, and I, and Reed Shepard kept coming up, but I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know if that's him. It was like between Reed Shepard, Terrence Shannon from Illinois. Um, you know, I wanted to say Kyle Filipowski from Duke, you know, so those are, those are another few guys that I think, you know, who were probably, you know, top, that's probably like the best seven, you know, players in college right now in terms of pro prospects. Obviously, you know, come the tournament, there'll be some guys who shoot up the board and, you know, because that, that happens every year. But, you know, right now, those are the best, you know, best pro prospects in college for me right now. Doesn't doesn't Filipowski strike you as somebody who plays 10 years in the NBA and averages like six and six for 10 years? Oh, yeah. You know, he'll be on like three teams. He'll be the 10th man on a champion. But, yeah, you know, because – you know, he if he would have left last year, he was going to go in the lottery. So, you know, I'm not I mean, obviously, it's I'm glad he came back because that's that's a guy that more people should know, which is, you know, we talked about Caden Clark earlier. The women's game is like on fire in terms of personalities, you know, coaches and players, you know, Don Staley, you know, Emma, Tyra Vanderveer, you know, for the good for the for the good and the bad. Kim Mulkey, you know, those are people names people know, you know, then the then the players, you know. Kaylin Clark, Andrew Reese, Juju, Juju Watkins, uh, Cameron Brink, you know, but Zach Eady 30 years ago would have been a star. And, yeah. you know, if, if Zach Eady walked through the mall today, you know, pe- people would have just been like, damn, he's tall. You know, nobody would think he's the best player in college basketball. So, yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's an interesting time, you know, but there's still a lot of really good players out there. At, hey, let me uh, just for a thought experiment before I let you guys get out of here. Uh, 
at what year in NBA history with, did Zach Eady stop being the number one overall pick? Uh, probably. That's 2008. 2004 was Dwight Howard. Andrew Bogut was number 105. Andrea Barnett. Oh, seven. Seven oh, was Odin. Right? Odin. Yeah. Um, oh, 08 was Derrick Rose. Uh, I can't, I think the first big guy, quote unquote, drafted in that year was Kevin Love, and he was like three or four. Um, yeah, Blake but he's Griffin not, he's not like Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, did, I mean, did Greg Oden break the, the, did he break the NBA draft? Steph Curry I don't, I don't up know. The next year, right? Yeah, but I mean, you still had but Anthony Davis like two or three in 2012. Years of him just not playing for it to really shake out, right? Yeah. Zach Eady definitely would have gone number one in like 1978. Oh yeah, uh, he goes number one overall through the into 2000. If you ask me, uh, yeah, he's probably right. yeah, yeah, man, oh man, yeah. Well, Jordan went third, so we know how that went in the 80s. So <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, guys, we'll get out of here. Um, I game tonight, Mark. We haven't brought up Louisville. Um, you're That's welcome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I asked a very funny question today. Uh, Sky Clark has a broken rib. Uh, we'll, who is the Eve out of that rib that we make? <laughs> By the what way, very the funny text on the text line that I cannot mention on this show. So there you go. Uh, um, yeah, she wrote a book. It's a whole thing. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Um, big Valentine's Day plans, Jay Davis. I got three kids, man. They're all small. You know, it works. So what he, hey, listen, that's what I heard. No, he's he's telling you he's still paying for the la uh, three other Valentine's Days. <laughs> Are you a Valentine's Day guy, Mark Ennis? Uh, yeah. Come on. I love love. You kidding me? Are you a romantic guy? I actually don't know that about you. I'm a, man, I hate you for asking me that. You know I am. Of course I am. I am too. No, I'm a total savage. I know you are. I would not ask yeah. you. I knew I, yeah, I, I, I like all this stuff. You know, it's not... Yeah. You know, it's not it's not too extravagant, but you know, it's little stuff. You know, stuff I know. You know, Lisa and the girls like, and you know, we just we just have fun. What do we got decorations all over the house? And I was gonna say that's the part where you're lucky, Jay, is actually having daughters for this kind of stuff is the best. I mean, it really is. That's a lot of fun, especially the age they're at. That's very fun. Yeah. Well, that's the good stuff, people. We will be back next week, episode fifteen already. How about that, uh, boys? Stick around after the episode. I got something for you. Uh, but we will catch up with you next week. And all I have to ask is, what is Nolan Richardson giving up from Lent? <laughs>